Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. I'd like for you to get your Bibles now open to the book of Acts chapter number 16. Acts 16 and uh, Bible apps work just as good. Uh, But I want you to follow along with the story. Today, this is the theme story of the day, Acts 16, verse 22. Um, Have you guys ever heard of this thing called the fruit of the Spirit? All right, well, it's what it is, it is nine different ways that a person who has the Holy Spirit in them, that means a believer, how they behave. And my my challenge is, is going to be really basic for you. It's kind of during this series of messages, is for you to shift yourself into gear so that you can begin to bear this fruit. And I call it a spirit shift. So it's like shifting to a new level of the Holy Spirit working in your life. So today's message in my spirit shift series is called Restoring Lost Joy. Restoring Lost Joy. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul talks about this fruit of the Spirit. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is, real clear, love, joy, peace. In fact, I remember memorizing these as a kid. Uh, There was a little key to memorizing them with me. The first three have one syllable. The second three has two syllables. The third uh, three have three syllables. So I learned it all really easy that way because I was very syllabolic, I guess. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the big one today is joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Back in 1989, uh, 30 years ago this month, uh, Rebecca and I, we'd been married for about a year, and it was right around this time of year, and it was our first wedding anniversary, but I had to go out of town. Uh, At that time, I was a children's pastor, and we had this boys' ministry at our church called Royal Rangers, and there was this huge camp out that uh, a bunch of the boys were going to. It was a four-day event, and it was about 400 miles from home and uh, and from the church, and so I had to be there. We had about 90 boys from our church that were going, and, and, uh, and of course, you know, she wanted to be with me. It was our anniversary but I'm you know, ministering to the church. It's like, well, you know, I, I've got to go sometimes. I have to do these things. Uh, but, and ladies weren't allowed to be at the camp out because of facilities and other, you know, natural reasons. Uh, plus, I doubted she would want to be in a tent for four days in the middle of a summer. You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, since it was our first anniversary, I, just, I, I actually came up with a compromise. And there was a state park that I discovered, which is right there just adjacent to the camp campgrounds. And that, that state park, had cabins. Awesome. So I made reservations for us to stay in a cabin and I would, and during the day I would be out with the boys and at night I'd hang at the cabin. She would just kind of hang out there during the day and go around the state park. It was a decent compromise, right? I thought that was a pretty good deal. Well, I was pretty excited about it also, uh, about, you know, being there with my bride and, and, and I was like 24. She was about 22. Still, we were practically newlyweds. But when I arrived at the ranger station to get my cabin, 
there was this older couple that was just, they were sitting right near the desk, kind of just right over here, probably about six feet from me. And I'd say they were about in their eighties. And, and, and as I was signing the paperwork to get the cabin, you know, cause you never did anything online back then. There was no online back then. Uh, the lady, I saw her, she, she elbowed her husband who was sitting there. And I remember it very clearly. I was watching this out of the corner of my eyes. And she said this with an earshot of everybody. She said, look at those kids. They're getting a cabin together. Oh. And she says, I can't believe what this world is coming to. And God has given me the gift of speaking. Uh, but sometimes that gift kind of moves in a different direction sometimes because I come up with quick and witty answers. And so I said, yep, we're getting a cabin together and we're going to have crazy fun all night long. And except I didn't use the word fun. I'll just be honest with you. And, and she, she looked back and she goes, wow. And Rebecca and I, we have laughed about that for the past 30 years. It was one of those moments you'll never forget. But the lady had obviously lost her joy somewhere along the way, you know? And uh, I don't ever want to lose my joy, uh, but if you do, how do you restore lost joy? Well, today I'm going to talk about it. It's going to be really simple. I'm going to use an acrostic, J-O-Y, and if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and get this written down. J, the, 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 the letter J represents jettison the past. I like that word jettison, don't you? Jettison the past. Because some of you are bound by your past. Somebody hurts you. You were treated unfairly, and you're just angry about the past. And it's time to break the power of the past over your life today. Now, it could have been like a really horrible experience, but it's still controlling you today. And you've become a grouch pouch, you know? And, and, and you know it, and everyone else around you certainly knows it, and you've lost your joy and the smallest thing causes you to frown or complain or criticize or, or judge, you know? Like, what a horrible way to live. Don't be a grouch pouch, okay? Jettison your past. Now, in our story today, in Acts chapter 16, verse 22, we're going to take a look at Paul. Paul was an amazing church planter who went all over the Roman Empire, and he started churches in urban centers all over the place. And Paul, with his uh, traveling companion, Silas, they were ministering in this town, and, and through the Holy Spirit, they had freed this lady who was bound up by demons. Uh, she is what we would call today a psychic, uh, and she was making good money, her and, and the person who was kind of representing her, and, and she was using these psychic powers. But of course, psychic powers actually come from demons. Well, that day, she was actually set free from demonic possession, and God gave her a fresh start, and it was an amazing ordeal. But the person who was making money from her, <laughs> off of her fortune-telling, he was really upset. He was a businessman in the community, and he started this huge riot based upon what had happened there. So Paul and Silas ended up having a bad day after they freed this woman from demonic possession. So I want you to, to follow along with me in our text today, Acts 16, 22. It says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten, and you thought you were having a bad day, all right? After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them into an inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Well, they were doing good, but they got thrown into jail. 
But what you're about to find out is they didn't get all depressed about being mistreated and abused and, and, and hated on and afflicted and lied about. No, what they did is they jettisoned what had just happened. They jettisoned their past, although it was just right behind them. See, what they did in the middle of the situation in the prison is they chose joy. Because I'm telling you right now, joy is a choice. It's not based upon what's happening around you. Even when he was in prison, these first century Christians, they were able to joyfully celebrate in this depressed atmosphere. You know what? We need to jettison our past because joy drives away despair. And it doesn't happen immediately, but I'm telling you, it does happen. And you've got to be able to put the past behind you, even if you're facing massive trials. And it might be saying, but my past is right now. Well, you know what? In one second, it's the past, all right? So come on, keep putting that past behind you second by second by second. I know you can say, but pastor, you don't understand how miserable my life is. Now, the truth is, I may not know. But God knows, and he can instill new joy into your heart, even if you're chained in the darkest prison. In fact, the future that Jesus is preparing for you, the future is going to be amazing beyond your ability to comprehend or understand. And you've got to also jettison your past sin and failures to get there. But it's called heaven. And heaven is going to be this place of intense, constant joy. And you know, people who think that heaven is some boring place where you have to drag around a 75 pound harp all the time, you're sadly mistaken. I will not have a harp because I can't play it anyway. All right. Heaven is, it's big. Here's what it is. The final line in the sand between you and your past. I love it. The prophet Isaiah says this about this, about heaven. He says, the ransomed of the Lord, that's us. We will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Look at this. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. And I'm just telling you guys right there, that's my future. So jettison your past now and begin to even get to savor the joy that the Holy Spirit can bring into your life even now. Now the second aspect of joy, J, is jettison your past. O is open up to the Holy Spirit. Instead of letting the circumstances of life drive you away from God, open up to the Holy Spirit instead. Don't close yourself off. Open yourself up when things aren't going well. That's how to restore joy. And I really believe this. God does have good things in store for you. He wants to do good for you. Really, I believe God's waiting for you to quit sulking and stop frowning, to jettison your past and open up to his spirit. Now I want us to take a look at Paul and Silas and how they actually did this. Take a look at it in verse number 25 as we pick up in the story today. It says, about midnight, wow, the middle of the night, midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I like that. 
So suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. Now, it's really interesting that they started responding with joy. When they chose to respond with joy, and while they were still chained up, while they were still behind bars, and in this atmosphere where everybody was grumpy and they were busy sleeping and feeling sorry for themselves and hating on themselves, Paul and Silas, what they did is they opened up to the Holy Spirit through praise and worship, and God broke the chains and opened the prison doors for them. In other words, they had a breakthrough. (laughs) I'll, I'll be candid with you tonight. That's what I'm expecting at City Life Night, an atmosphere of joy, regardless, and breakthrough, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you've experienced. And if you're chained up, you might feel like, I'm chained up and I'm bound up. I believe that God is going to set you free. You might say, well, I'll wait to be joyful after things make a positive move for me. I'm going to wait on that. Well, I'm just telling you guys, it it doesn't work that way. I'm sure Paul and Silas knew the words of Solomon well. I mean, Solomon says things like this in, in the book of Proverbs. He says, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. He said, he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. It says, a merry heart does good like medicine. What is a merry heart? A merry heart is a joy-filled heart. In fact, there's a word that we see all through the Bible. It's the word rejoice. You've heard it. We've said it. We've sung about it this morning. That actually has a literal definition. The, the definition of rejoice is this. It means to spin about with great joy. Uh, did you know that's what it meant? Rejoice doesn't mean just like, eh. That means grin, okay? That's grin. Rejoice means something very, very different. You know what? If I could write a prescription... For every church and every, every, every pastor and, and every churchgoer and every Christian, I would write a prescription, one, one word on it, I would just write laughter, <laughs> laugh, laugh a little bit. I mean, that's what the scripture says. Just think about this. If, if you were God or if I were God, I mean, who would you choose to represent you to let your glory shine through? I would be hunting for some people who had a joyful outlook on life to partner with, to partner with God, you know, to make Jesus known. I, that's what I would be looking for. People who've, who've been through some stuff and their life wasn't perfect. In fact, their life was really messed up and they've chosen to have the joy of Jesus in their heart and they let it out. That, you know, I'm telling you, that's who I would partner with. Now, I don't know exactly how God does it all, but if I were God, but I'm not, but if I were God, that's what I would choose. I mean, I, I wouldn't like, oh, look at you you grouchy, grumbling, mean, angry, hateful person. Oh, I want you, you just go and let all that out and, and just show others how, how good I am. I know, you know, I don't think so. I, I, you know, it, again, if I were God, but I'm not, I would say, you're a grouch pouch, you know, fix that. But think that's why I'm not God, right? But my desire for you is like Paul's desire for the church at Rome. Here's what Paul said to this church that he started in the ancient capital of the world at that time, Rome. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you guys, these were Christians who were in Rome during a very, very, very difficult time in history when Christians were persecuted and being thrown into the Colosseum. He's telling them to have joy, to overflow. I mean, Jesus, he laughed. 
But I also think Jesus continues to laugh. I really do. In fact, one of my favorite images, no, I would say my favorite image of Jesus is this one. It's called the smiling Jesus or the laughing Jesus. And, and here he's just laughing and smiling. That, that is my favorite image of Jesus. And that's how I see Jesus. I don't see him as the grouchy mean guy. I recently heard this story. A young family went to dinner in a restaurant and, and the five-year-old son asked if he could say grace. And so the mom and the boys, uh, they, they bowed their heads and he loudly proclaimed his prayer. He says, God is great. God is good. Thank you for the food. And I would thank you even more if mom got us ice cream in liberty and justice for all. Amen. <laughs> that, that was his prayer. That was his prayer. So, so like he said it so loud that the people around him laughed. And they, oh, this is, this is so cute. This is so cute. Well, there was this woman. I, I'm, I, so, I, th- I think she may have been the same woman from the campgrounds. I don't know because I wasn't in the, there in this situation. But she's like, well, that's what's wrong with this country. Kids today don't even know how to pray. Asking God for ice cream, you know. Uh, yeah, I think she was the lady from the campgrounds. We've all, we've all known one of her, right? Or one of him's, but it, it was, there was a her in this case. Well, the boy heard what she said. And um, so he immediately burst into tears. And he said, Mommy, did I, did, did I do something wrong? Is God mad at me? And, and she assured him, no, no, you did a terrific job. God's not mad at you. You're okay. And then this, this grandpa figure from another table approached their table. And he smiled at the boy. And he said, well, I happen to know something. You know, if, if, if a grandpa kind of walks up, they, they just know everything. You know, you know what I'm talking about? And so he says, I happen to know something. God thinks that was a great prayer. The little boy looks up and goes, really? He said, cross my heart. And then he, this is this theatrical whisper, and he says, too bad she never asks God for ice cream. Because a little ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. And well, at the very end of the meal... The mom did get ice cream for the kids, and, and uh, when, the, when the five-year-old got his ice cream, he had an ice cream sundae who was in front of him, and he looked at the ice cream and, and then just quietly got up from the table and took the ice cream and did something amazing. He courageously walked over and placed it in front of the grouch pouch lady, <laughs> but he did it with a big smile, and he said, here's some ice cream for you, because ice cream is good for the soul sometimes. And my soul's already good. How's your soul? Is your soul opened up to the Holy Spirit? That's what today's about. The third key to joy, J-O-Y. The first one is jettison the past. Second is open up to the Holy Spirit. The third one is why? Yield to God's presence. Yield. Allow him to do what he pleases in your life. Whenever you come up to a yield sign, you're going to look the other way, and whoever else is coming, they get the right of way. If no one else is coming, then you go right ahead. But I'm telling you what, God is always coming, all right? So, so we're going to yield to what God wants to do in our lives. Looking back to the setting that was happening at the jail with Paul and Silas, I mean, God's presence at that time was very, very obvious in the place. Take a look at verse 27. We'll see what continues to happen. It says, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights. Of course, it was torches, you know, not cell phone lights or flipping the light switch on. So, and they, and they, the, the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. 
And then he asked them, I says, and then, then, and then he then brought them out and he asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's the setting here. This, this jailer, knowing that capital punishment was a guarantee for anyone who lost a prisoner, if a prisoner escaped, you know, they were going to be killed. He was, he was just going to go ahead and kill himself and get it over with. He didn't want to go through that whole thing. Just abandon his family and everything. I'm just going to go ahead and end it now. But he heard the joyful songs that those prisoners were singing two prisoners, and he gave in to God's presence. He basically went to Paul and Silas and said, I want what you've got. I'm telling you guys, that is making Jesus known. See, the guy not only wanted what Paul and Silas had, he actually got what they had. Joy entered his life, and he yielded his life then to the Holy Spirit and he received Jesus Christ as a savior and that man's life changed forever, not just him, but his entire family. Some Christians feel like it's inappropriate to express joy as they even yield to God's presence and yet the words of Jesus judges our prejudice against singing and swaying to the rhythms of the universe. For Jesus said, I played the flute for you and you did not dance. The Bible doesn't say, make a sad moan to the Lord, all the earth. Make a noise that's kind of quiet and stand really still and whisper praise. I haven't found that scripture yet, yet it's practiced so often. (laughs) No, here, King David said this. because I, You know what, guys? I just like to do what the Bible says. And I know it's a novel idea. It's it's a really interesting concept. I like doing it, all right? And David said this. He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. In Psalm 16, he also said this. He said, you will fill me with joy in your presence. I'm telling you guys, so many times I've come to church and even as a pastor, yeah, I mean, my days aren't perfect. I know you think, well, Tim, your life is perfect. No, 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 follow me for a day, okay? But I come to church sometimes and I'm maybe feeling down or distracted or upset and, and then the worship begins. And that's why I like to, I like to be in here right at the beginning because I want to be right at the beginning of the worship and, 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 and I make the choice. It's always cognitive. I make the choice. I'm going to enter in. And I'm telling you guys, it never fails. I've been doing this all my life. My attitude always changes. I was reading a Gallup poll recently regarding happiness in America. Here's the results the the Gallup team came up with. It says that married women are happier than married men. Republicans are happier than Democrats. No comments. Americans over 65 are happier than Americans under 65. People who attend church weekly are much happier, and that's, they actually had the word much in there, are much happier than people who do not. And they said people who read the Bible daily are much happier than those who do not. Two had the much happier is the Bible and attending church. So, so really, I, I looked at the whole thing, and so it brings me to this conclusion. And if this is you, you, you're set. So if you are a married Republican woman, and you're over 65, and you're coming to church every week, and you're reading your Bible every day, you're the happiest person around, and I want to hug you. <laughs> but most of us, we can't attain all of that. 
But there are some things that you can do. You can attend church weekly. You are, you, the, the, the most happy people in America attend church every week. The most happy people in America are people who read their Bible every day. Interesting. Doing those simple things that our brains tell us could be mundane actually bring joy into our lives. See, Jesus understands joy like none of us do, though. He knew that pushing through pain is easier if you know that there's joy on the other side, and that's how Jesus got through the pain of the cross. The writer of Hebrews says, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Pause there for a second. Because Jesus' heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. In other words, through his crucifixion, your chains, your bondage to sin and to hell would be broken and you would belong to Jesus. Because of the joy of knowing that, he endured the agony of the cross and he conquered its humiliation. And now Jesus sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you, Jesus. Do you realize that even that's what makes communion a joy? It's a sorrowful thing to consider what Christ did for us, but it's joyful. I remember a long time ago seeing in my dad's church, I was about five years old, and I, I, I just love to ask tough questions to my friends because, I don't know, I, just, I was the preachers because I kind of knew a little bit more about these things, but, but they had the communion elements right up at the front. And there was, uh, on, on the very front of this communion table was an inscription of Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper. It was a really beautiful, beautiful carving. And uh, I told my friend, it was before church, I said, let's go up and look at that. And we got up there and looked at it. I said... Are you happy? Does it make you happy that Jesus died and shed his blood? And the kid goes, no, no, I'm not. I said, well, I'm happy because I'd be going to hell if he didn't. And, and the little kid looked at me and said, it's hard to be happy about that. But you know what? Communion is a joyful time because that's when we reflect on what Christ did for us. We touch, we experience, we taste the substance of what he did for us. It reminds us of that supreme price that he paid. And we walk through Holy Communion celebrating how Jesus Christ set us free and it does bring us joy. I want us to do that today. At City Life Church, we practice open communion which means you don't have to be a part of this church to participate in communion. You just need to be a part of the family of God. I'd like to make sure you have that opportunity before we go any further. Will you just pray? I don't want there to be any movement in the room. Just no movement right now. Focus, just focus internally. Close your eyes. You might be here today and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. Possibly you've moved far from God and you want to know the Jesus that I talk about. You want a new beginning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. It's a very simple response. It's by lifting your hand. Knowing this, that Jesus does love you more than you can imagine and he had joy knowing that he could go through all that pain and agony for you. 
He died for you so that you could have life and life to the full. So today, today, now is that time to say, I want to live. I want to really, really live. If you want to be included in my prayer to make your life surrendered fully to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand at the count of three so I can see yours, can connect my faith with you, and we'll pray together. Will you do that? One, two, three. Lift your hand if you want to make your life come with Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Who else? Who else with these individuals would say, that's me. That's me, Pastor. I want to make things right between me and Jesus. I want to give my life to him today. Thank you. Put your hands down. Here's what I'd like for everyone to do in this room. If you'd lift it, just look at me real quick. If, if you lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words, and I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. Congregation of believers, I want you to pray these words too as an encouragement to those who are praying it. And, 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 uh, and make this, a, this is the most holy moment of this entire service, right here, right now. Can you pray with me? Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sins. It's time for me to live. I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for new joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.